0: Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nickel Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning this podcast does contain spoilers for the Ryorden Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a verse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Now before I kind of get into the main things here, I want to remind everyone that in the episode slash show notes for today, there will still be the petitions and places to donate and such for the Black Lives Matter movement. I will continue to put them in the description box until, well, I'm just going to keep doing it because this is an important movement and I want to do my part as best I can and I hope you guys too. Um, So yeah, that will be in the description box and I hope you guys uh, can sign petitions if you can and speak out as well if you can. Um, So just wanted to put that PSA out there before I move on and I will put another one of these at the end just to remind you guys that that is in the episode notes. But today we are continuing our timeline journey with the next chapter well chapters of the sea of monsters chapter seven i accept gifts from stranger oh, i accept gifts from a stranger which also psa kids do not accept gifts from people do not accept gifts from strangers percy shouldn't in general either but you know in this case it was fine um and chapter eight we board the princess andromeda As always, I have my points to focus on, so today we've got story, characters, parents and just generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. Jealous Percy reignites as our mystery item is revealed, but the quest to retrieve it is not given to our main man. When a caffeine high turns into gifts from a god and a high-speed fish pony ride to a haunted ship you know things are not going to end well but this is percy jackson so we really shouldn't be surprised and that is the synopsis for these two chapters and it it's basically that that final bit is just a summary of the percy jackson universe as a whole because this is the real universe we shouldn't be surprised that things can end badly because they always do <laughs> Um, (laughs) So these two chapters were really interesting to go over, and um, I'm excited to dive into them. So let us get on with that, so you don't have to keep listening to me talk about things you guys don't care about, which is usually my own life. And don't worry, I don't have any tidbits about my own life today. So we'll get into Chapter 7, I Accept Gifts from a Stranger. And this is this chapter's overview. There needs to be a health and safety advisor at this camp. I mean, Jesus Christ. We should get Jesus Christ in here. Uh, Annabeth, we do not have time for a word jumble. Oh my gods! it's the golden fleece. Honestly, Percy, you're the child of a Greek god and you haven't done any research. You're, you're nearly dying from monsters on a regular basis, man. Do work, please, and thank you, so you won't die. (laughs) A quest is needed, but damn, Tantalus is a sneaky one. Clarice is the chosen champion, much to Percy and Annabeth's frustration, and so she must seek the Oracle. And damn, Percy is salty, pun intended, about this situation. And oh god, Tyson, you are an angel, and Poseidon, you suck. A midnight caffeine party is interrupted by Aladdin and the King of Thieves. I mean, Hermes. With only a short time before being eaten alive, Percy now has a choice to make break the rules. Well, that's his only choice. <laughs> and that is basically the summary for chapter 7. And, oh my god, honestly, I do actually have a lot to say about this particular chapter because so much happens. So, what I am going to start with is the story elements of this chapter. First thing being that we actually learn a lot more about Tantalus in this chapter, and in general, question the intelligence of the gods, which I feel like do on a regular occasion, but try not to bring it up because, firstly, They could exist and I don't wanna die. My life is already has its problems. I don't need to add a vendetta from the pantheon gods on it. Um, (laughs) But seriously, Tantalus is, uh, he was a king in ancient Greece uh, who was favored by the gods to the point that he was allowed on Mount Olympus. Um, And when he tried to steal some ambrosia he got banished and was, like, treated poorly by his people and looked down on by his kids. And then to make it up to the gods, he invites them to a banquet. And it turns out that the banquet in which the gods are eating are his own children. Yep, he, he killed his kids and turned them into food. This I feel this is everyone's horror story. And it, well, it's a horror story in general, considering he phrases it as a ghost story to the camp kids. But seriously, (laughs) this is a man who murdered his own children for revenge against the gods, placed in direct power above the gods' own children. That seems just a little bit questionable, that a man who is very capable of murder... And has, on many occasion, committed murder. Has continued to threaten murder in his current time at camp, which isn't very long. It is still here, and no one's doing anything about it. No one seems to care. He's going to kill someone. I can feel it. <laughs> I just, oh. Okay, I will have to go more on the fact that these gods are ridiculous later because i'll move on to the other parts that we get in this story so the main bit is that we're really getting into the nitty-gritty now with the quest specifically with the quest items and what we are going out to get has been uncovered as well as the location which as is revealed in the chapter the numbers that percy was given by the gray sisters are what do they call it nord- nautical points so it's uh latitude and longitude of c coordinates which is where they need to go. Those specific longitude and latitude numbers is where they need to go. And so it's all the plans for the quest are beginning and all the information for the quest is kind of there. We know what we're going for, we know where it is, we know the location is the Sea of Monsters and you have to go through the Sea of Monsters. We know that Polyphemus is definitely involved and that Grover is on that island. And we know that it will very likely save Talia's tree due to a reference to Jason's quest and uh, the whole story of the fleece itself that Annabeth tells us, um, who's, uh, I can't remember the the names and I can't pronounce them either, so I'm not going to. The two kids who escape on the golden ram's back, one of them dies, but the, the golden fleece basically protects and brings prosperity to the land. So they believe that will help cure Talia's tree um and like all these things like it's all great that they've got a plan and everything but because this is me and i enjoy the character focused stuff what's even more interesting to me is that it also doesn't go the way that we expect it to like it's kind of been hinted that things aren't going to go percy's way anyway because like tantalus doesn't like him dionysus doesn't like him the campers they kind of like him but most of them don't um But we would have expected him and Annabeth to have had this quest because they have the information, because they are our main peeps, but it's not them who gets it, it's Clarice. But building off of that is another interesting point that builds on the characters themselves. While it is surprising in a sense that Percy isn't chosen, we kind of know why he wasn't and it is because of Tantalus and his attitude towards him and Annabeth, but for me what was more interesting was Percy's reaction to learning this and seeing this unfold in front of him and this is where the character element comes in because honestly with Percy I really really like that he is kind of irritating at this point like yes he technically should have gone on the quest he had the dreams he had the location for the sea of monsters and he is the son of the sea god the sea is his domain but What stands out the most is his sort of malignant attitude in that he believes that he deserves or should be the only one to have had this quest because clearly it was meant for him. Like he's so he's got this so ingrained that he is the hero considering he was like the reluctant hero in the first book. This is such a different change. Like his intentions are still clearly noble such as saving Grover. But his following thoughts about how he doesn't believe that Clarice could ever save the camp or do well on this quest shows a sense of his own importance. Like he's he's a little he clearly thinks subconsciously or not quite highly of himself. And again, intentionally or not, it really begins to show here, which is interesting to me because he is so adamant that without him, the quest would fail. Um. So th- seeing this sort of different side to him is, it's interesting, because he does come off as a bit of a butt. Um, <laughs> I don't know that's the only way I can describe it. Like, he, he fully does believe that he should be the one to go in it. And again, I don't disagree, but he's so opposed to the idea of someone else going that he's taking on this neg- negative attitude that he fully believes that Clarice couldn't save the camp which to me is crazy because like as we've seen in the previous chapters she does it great as a leader like she was able to bring the troops at the, the the hill together to help defend the bulls until Percy got involved they were doing all right she's also shown to be a great leader in general and like someone who cares about her troops um, in the chariot race we saw that she is a great rider and strategist for chariot racing so she has the capability so it seems more on the jealousy side than anything which again is interesting but going on to another element that i really want to focus on which comes up a lot in this chapter and again is brought up by percy and that is the parental side of this particularly with The gods, and again, this is carrying on from the previous bit about the whole Tantalus situation. Now, in the cabin three cabin with Tyson, Tyson is basically really upset because he believes that he shouldn't have been born, that Poseidon cares about him, but he must be really sad because Tyson isn't good and stuff like that and he's just basically being really down on himself and it's really quite sad and it sounds weird for me to say this but the one thing that i really liked about this is that this was the first time we ever hear anything remotely negative about poseidon which slight spoilers never bloody happens again this man conceived tyson and many other children like him but leaves them abandoned like Tyson was living in a bloody fridge box and still loves his dad who clearly doesn't love him and Percy's loyalty to those around him and his family is so biased like he recognizes that Poseidon is a crummy guy for abandoning Tyson but and and, kind of says it. he says like I can't believe that he thinks that P- Poseidon cares about him when he was living in a fridge box but he never actually condemns Poseidon for this or even questions his own loyalty to the guy so like I said that this is a negative thing and it's such a, it's so little like it's a small tiniest bit of negativity about a guy that Percy just realized has abandoned a kid to homelessness someone who has actually told Percy to his face you shouldn't have been born and yet Percy doesn't even question his loyalty he doesn't even question whether or not Poseidon is a good guy which he should because Poseidon sucks, Poseidon is not a nice guy (laughs) 100% he comes across as um, and clearly believes himself to be a nice guy with the trademark on the end And I don't know, it just, it really frustrates me that we're seeing so many negative images of Poseidon and yet, throughout the series, and again, slight spoilers, we never see anything about Poseidon as negative, even though it clearly should be in many areas. And again, just the whole Tantalus thing. Like, the fact that (laughs) Tantalus has been placed in this camp even though he is a guy who has killed children and kills children, like, okay, this is (laughs) no wonder Luke and the others turned. The gods clearly couldn't give a single care for their kids. And um, yeah, so I don't fault them because this just shows that they really do suck. And on that cheerful note, let us move on to the next chapter. Chapter 8, We Board the Princess Andromeda And the overview is Death is coming! But wait, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's fish ponies! A journey to a cruise ship says it all Cruises suck, so this will not be fun Well, as a Call of Cthulhu player An empty ship equals death course our heroes be dumb and decide to get a room why people why yeah they know they're aboard and it's time for disemboweling well I've lost my my need to eat that's not a phrase oh dear it's late that I'm recording if you can't tell <laughs> of course everyone on board is actually under a trance and surrounded by monsters this is fine. Then we hear Luke's voice. He has plans and it involves a casket. This is horror movie 101. So what do our heroes do? They stay. (laughs) Of course they do. And that is the overview for chapter 8. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness goodness. Okay so we have a few things to discuss here and I'm going to start first with characters particularly Percy. Now well it's only Percy that, that, that's the only person I've got to talk about with the chapter. <laughs> so we've still got a confused and frustrated Percy in relation to his thoughts and feelings towards Tyson. Mainly about him feeling sort of embarrassed by him as well as his fear that with him being Quite emotionally inclined, it may not be safe for him to come with them. Uh, with them heading to the ship, there's the chance that they could get caught if Tyson, for any reason, as we see in the chapter itself, gets upset and can't really calm down or kind of kind of just deal with the emotions that are that are going through him at that point. And of course we do see that happen but thankfully Percy is able to help calm him down in that moment but the fear is definitely still there but again also we see that he continues to recognize that there is something off with Annabeth in relation to cyclopses but does he ever ask at any point in these many times of seeing it no and i don't know why but that is really frustrating me that there are so many times that he could have very politely... Well, not even politely, that he could have asked. And there was the one time previously, I know, when they were doing their chariot. But he got incredibly defensive and had the attitude. Which isn't going to make what, make someone want to tell you what their problem is. Because you've already got an attitude. You've already got a specific opinion. And that's your, the whole situation wasn't great itself. But there have been a few other cases and this is another one that okay technically in this specific situation he doesn't have time to ask this but he's been aware of it ever since Annabeth turned up at the school and he hasn't thought to kind of ask again or another point I don't know the whole thing just like it just feels like something that's being dragged out way too much and it is just really frustrating for me because we're just she's just coming across like I keep saying as just a really not very nice person and all I can think is it's just because Percy doesn't seem to care enough to ask or find out without in that one case when he did being aggressive towards her about it I'm not even aggressive but just clearly not wanting to know so kind of digs in at her about it which again is going to make someone close up I, again I don't really know the whole thing just feels a bit yeah to me and this is kind of where the story element comes in for this chapter now admittedly this this chapter is a slight fillery and a slight setup also for the whole Luke plan at the end but yeah just once again we've we've got the setup here some feeling of information such as the ship being a ship of enemies featuring our main man and villain Luke as well as another dream from Kronos basically saying that they're going into another trap uh, that like that he's falling for it Percy's going to realise sooner or later that he can't keep doing the gods bidding because the gods just don't care all the things we basically already know <laughs> um, and it's the whole chapter is basically confirming they're on the path of the villains and this is going to be sort of a fact finding mission really and like this is already interesting but there are just so many questions i have about this chapter and it ties in a little bit to the previous bit of the talk about percy's character and that is the main one being i just don't understand why tyson comes i feel like it really doesn't make much sense other than some sort of plot convenience elements that kind of come later on which obviously not going to talk about here, but I will discuss when it does happen. I think the main reason is that just Tyson is, as we've seen throughout the book so far, a very emotional being. He can become distressed and upset easily, which can lead to a possible dangerous situation. Getting onto the ship could have alerted those aboard, and from the announcement of them knowing they have some special guests on board and disemboweling and stuff like that it's possible that he did unintentionally because when he gets upset he becomes quite loud and his whole thing was like he didn't want to say goodbye to Rainbow, his fish pony and his emotions kind of took over him in that moment and for a quest that does require stealth, speed and understanding of the dangers of certain situations this was definitely not the best environment to bring tyson to i feel due to the like like i said due to the evidence that we have been provided in this book so far we have an idea of his abilities and his his weaknesses in a sense and his strength is his well his strength as a whole like he is an incredibly strong being like being able to punch the the golden bulls to pieces and to the point that they break but also his kindness towards others and his willingness to help others are big things that do help in many situations like with with the birds and the chariot racing and his friendship with uh beckendorf and these sort of things but it is very much outweighed by the possible weakness that can lead to these dangerous situations and I feel just isn't explained enough and if anything this chapter just shows more evidence of him being uh I don't even know how to describe it it's not like a weak link but as in you don't really know how it's gonna go you don't ah uh, I don't really know how to phrase it well wow, that makes sense and I think I'm just can't find the right word but a wild card he's kind of a little bit of a wild card like he could technically go either way either he'll begin he'll understand how to act in a certain situation and do so safely or it's going to lead to more problems in the future i think the thing is that we just just in this chapter all we're given is just the evidence as to why he definitely shouldn't have come i don't so far i see no evidence as to why tyson should be here and why it was a good idea Uh, Again I don't really remember the book that much except for some things so I can't remember if we are shown evidence as to why it's positive except for those few few sort of plot convenience based things and again I will talk about those when we come to them but just so far I feel that's just such a it's such a open-ended thing of I just don't understand the reason. But overall though what I do find interesting about these chapters is again this further depth to Percy's character of him being a little bit up himself, but also concerned with appearances. It's, it is 100% realistic for his age, uh, his personality, and it makes him feel like a well-rounded character in this story, especially with this being based on the story of Jason's journey, and Jason being well-known for his bullheadedness and having a bit of an ego. And if you guys do want to learn a little bit more about Jason as well, go check out my Post-Jackson and the Greek Heroes episode, which was one of the first that I, I did for this podcast, where I kind of go a bit more into all the different heroes from Greek mythology. Um, so this kind of personality-based thing really does work for this situation. The only complaints that I really do have are relating to the Tyson and Clarice thing. So, obviously, again, I feel we need to know why Tyson is here and what his purpose is going to be. Because so far, we've not really been given any evidence as to why it's a good thing that Tyson is part of this trio for the quest. It just seems like just generally a bad idea, if that makes any sense. Um, And then for Clarice i just i don't but i think the thing is with this with these two chapters we're given the information that clarice is going to be the champion the one who goes on the quest who can have two people come with her and she goes to the oracle and then we find out nothing after that usually when someone goes to seek an oracle or at least, but I say usually, we've only obviously seen it happen in the first book so far, but they usually speak to someone about it afterwards. I'd assume with the fact that the whole camp knows about this quest, that they would seek the oracle, and then they would come and tell people what the oracle told them, or we'd find out from a, a council or something like that, maybe all the heads of the cabins would speak, and there'd be like a plan set up or something, but we just don't find out because everyone goes to bed <laughs> which then confuses me as to like why is she going to see the, or- uh, the the oracle when it's like now surely you wait till then i don't even know the whole thing is just a little bit weird like she goes off and then that's it um and i don't know i think the whole thing as well is just i'm like i mentioned at the start well in relation to chapter seven i've f- <laughs> I understand and it is interesting for Percy's character this lack of faith towards Clarice and this sort of frustration about Clarice being given this role for the quest because in Percy's mind this is Tantalus getting his own back really at Percy because I don't know because he doesn't like Percy for some reason because he talks back I don't really know again this is this is an issue with with this book as a whole, or at least with Tantalus's character I don't understand him I don't understand his purpose at all, he doesn't serve any purpose, and this is, I probably should have brought this up in chapter 7 actually, but his spiting of Percy makes no sense because Percy hasn't done anything specific except for make a few jibes here and there towards him Percy going not been there for a few days clearly there are going to be other people that he's going to dis. I don't know I just I think the whole thing is that there are just too many questions for me that have been given towards so many characters at the moment Tyson I absolutely adore and I think he's a really interesting character but again a question why he's being brought on this quest and other than the plot convenience elements that I do know about later I don't understand why he's? it's important for him to be on the quest. Tantalus is a really boring and unnecessary side miniature mini-villain boss or something who just seems to only be necessary to this story to cause grief for Percy and make sure that Percy doesn't get this quest. Which I feel just, I don't know, I don't... I feel that there are so many other ways in which that could have been done. Firstly, why why is Tantalus here? Surely if if Dionysus is there, just have Dionysus be the person there. We already know he hates Percy. We've got a whole book with their interactions where Dionysus doesn't like Percy. He doesn't like anyone, admittedly. But it would make sense because we have an established character, an established uh dynamic of conflict between characters that could work in this context because obviously the first book we know that Chirong kind of lets Percy get away with a few things whereas Dionysus I feel will be the character, well the person who wouldn't let Percy get away with it and if they do have if they can still have the chariot racing Clary still won so he would still gift her the quest because she won. She's proved herself both on the hill throughout her year being there and protecting the camp. Uh, the fact that, again, she won the chariot race and that she's done all these different things. She's proven herself. And that can... That, I feel, is what should have been given, really, is that we are showing that the only reason why Clarice really got this quest was so Tantalus could spite Percy. And I think that is a really terrible way of doing things because what like I said Clarice has proven herself in these past couple of chapters that she is fully capable as a leader fully capable of strategy and being a warrior she won a chariot race she she helped battle the birds as well yes she didn't defeat them because Percy and Annabeth went and got the music and stuff like that but she stayed and fight, fought and tried to protect people and she doesn't have that full wisdom side that Annabeth does have but from the sounds of it her and Annabeth have actually been getting on so I felt like if there wasn't that belligerent attitude that her and Percy did have in this she probably would have chosen Annabeth to join her I don't know I just feel there are so many things because it just, it just feels frustrating that it's just seen as her being given this, not because she deserves it, but because it means that it's going to annoy Percy. I don't know. There are just so many cases, like it's such a common trope of giving something to someone who themselves is worthy of it, but normally they wouldn't have been because someone else would have. So you're just doing it to peeve the other person. And yeah, I think it's just frustrating and it's kinda of, it does her a bit of a disservice and I feel to readers who, unlike me, read normally <laughs> um and don't look at things too deeply, this presentation of Clarice of someone that people clearly don't seem to have much faith in except for her own siblings, it's just gonna colour our own opinion of her. Especially with the way in which he's phrasing that, when Percy demands that, that he should be the one together because he had the dream and stuff like that, and Clarice gives him like a glare and says that she will accept it after already saying that she would accept the quest, is again going to color our opinion of her. Whereas if it is shown that she is worthy of it, and still, yeah, maybe it is being done to spite Percy a little bit, but it will make us the readers kind of root for Clarice in a way while also feeling bad for Percy. I don't know, I just feel that so many characters in this, I feel, really kind of get put down in a way, um, in in the sort of phrasing of the writing. And Clarice is definitely one of them, considering, again, that we've only met her a few times so far in this book and obviously you have bullying antics in the first one. But I want to see this growth from her. And it's unfortunate that we're not, we've seen some of it, but it's been kind of brushed over like it it didn't really exist, which is frustrating for me as someone who likes seeing this sort of character growth. Um, So I'm kind of hoping that we do see a bit more of that. And just in general, I I don't even know what to say. There are just, there are a few things I do have a problem with, with this, with this book. And the whole Tantalus situation is definitely one of them. It's the only complaint, really, that I do usually have of this book. Um, Tantalus is just (laughs) the worst villain. I don't even know what sort of villain I could compare him to. Um, hmm. No, I can't think. I'm trying to think of some examples, but... Okay, for, for you listeners out there, think of the most boring and unnecessary villain in any media and let me know (laughs) your answers because i i feel i need to improve my media list of stuff anyway that's that's not important that was a side note admittedly that whole conversation i just had about my complaints about this book was a little bit of a side note i didn't actually have any of that written down i wasn't intending to go on that uh, I think I unintentionally did because I realised this episode was otherwise going to be very short in comparison to my usual episodes which I'm not too surprised by because it is very late in my time but again that is personal information and you guys probably don't care that much and I'm now just padding for time if you can't already tell. <laughs> um. So yeah again these two chapters they are interesting chapter 7 particularly i enjoy more than chapter 8 because chapter 7 just feels better in terms of character and story whereas chapter 8 just feels a bit filler like um but yeah those are that is chapter 7 and chapter 8 of the sea of monsters done um i don't really have anything much else to say except i'm intrigued again as to what is going to happen we've got the whole mystery of what this casket thing is with Luke, how useful Tyson is going to be for, for the quest itself. If we're going to find out the issue with Annabeth and Cyclopses, is, is Percy going to stop being jealous? I kind of hope not, although I do hope he gets called out on it, but I kind of doubt it. Um, and yeah, so we've got many things to look forward to in the next couple of chapters, but as always I'm going to move on to the question of the episode now before I do though I do want to point out that I'm going to be doing things a little bit differently with question of the episode now unfortunately with again this is going to be slightly personal life with work and some other commitments of my own that I do have currently um, while I will be doing question of the episode I will not be reading out answers in subsequent episodes at least for a while just because I'm hoping to pre-record quite a lot of these currently just because uh, I don't have as much time at the moment to be able to set aside time every week to be able to uh, dedicate a a recording. Um, I know, (laughs) yeah I know, it it sucks and I'm sorry that I can't uh, do that currently but um, basically that's kind of the current... (laughs) process and that's kind of i'm I'm sorry and it's frustrating but uh that's that's all i can do for you guys at the moment so what i will be doing is i will still be doing the question of the episode and you can guys can give your answers on uh twitter Uh, you can email in if you wish to as well um you can comment on our instagram post and our tumblr and all these sort of things but I will not be reading out the answers, at least for a little while. Uh, Apologies for this, but currently that is the best way for me to be able to get content out to you every week. So for this week's question of the episode, it is, do you think Clarice will do well slash deserved this quest? And why is the answer? Yes. (laughs) Okay, that's clearly giving my opinion. Um, Don't come for me for those who do not like Clarice. Um, (laughs) But yes, that is this week's question of the episode. I am intrigued to see what comments you you guys will give in relation to this question. Of course, it will also be posted on our Instagram and all all of our social media. So go check it out and follow us there. But to find out all the things in ways that you can support us, Generally, in the lead up to that, I do want to thank you guys for joining me today for chapters 7 and 8. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Ryan Alden Journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Stitcher and Deezer. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod, on Instagram and Twitter and on Tumblr at thebestdamncamp.tumblr.com. If you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebeststamcamp at hotmail.com, and I will read it out at the end of the show. If you want to support me with making this content, check me out on Patreon at the healthy dose of Fran, and be sure to check out my YouTube channel, a healthy dose of Fran, for more Percy Jackson content, and drop me a follow on my personal accounts, a healthy dose of Fran on Instagram, and at a dose of Fran on Twitter. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, the links to help, the, help and support the Black Lives Matter movement are in the episode's show notes, so go support if you can. As always, I've been Fran, your very own Hunter, and I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Toodle poodle.